0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. And quick little hearing update. I had my third and final steroid injection in my ear this morning, and it was the most miserable experience I've had yet because now the whole the hole there is stabbed and they had to re-perforate it. It's just a whole thing. Man. It's just a whole thing. Anyway, I have recovered a good deal of the uh, low-frequency hearing in my ear. So they're excited about that. They are a little concerned that the other frequencies haven't recovered as fast. It's better than it was a week ago. It's better than it was on Friday, but they were hoping for more. And, uh, you know, I can hear in my right ear now sound. But Todd, you remember the old uh, radios when we were a kid and you had, and you had the, t- the volume and the tone button. Remember those? Sure. And you turn the tone button up so you could hear the lyrics better. You know, sure. kind of kind of the 80s version of a center channel, spe- <laughs> center channel. And so I can I can everything now sounds like the tone button is way down. So I'm hearing the bass. I'm hearing the music, the drum, you know. And I can hear that people are talking, but I can't discern the words. All right, and so um, I, I will tell you this was the first time the term cochlear implant was used in a mm-hmm. conversation with the doctor this morning. So um, we will go and get. Uh, uh, I finish the steroid regimen here next week, I think, and then uh, on the twenty-first I go in for an audio test because they have they have no data that shows anything more than a 14 day course of steroids and three injections continuing to do. It doesn't make a difference in whether you'll get your hearing back in a year or not, you know? So that is the update now. Now the new odds are the old odds, 70% odds that, uh, I'll be using a hearing aid. Oh, fine. And 30% odds that they think it'll come back. So now they think the odds are a little bit higher. It'll come back than they did on Friday. So I know a lot of you have had a lot of great suggestions. I appreciated a lot of prayers and, uh, Thank you very much, you know, but the good news is my left ear is in great shape for a 50 year old man. So that's the good news. More good news is we are bringing on a brand new partner here on the show uh, over at Samaritan Ministries. And whenever we get a new partner, we always want to make sure we highlight them first and foremost here on the program. So if you're tired of somebody else telling you where to go when you have a medical need and if you're ready to take control of your health care, Samaritan Ministries could be the solution you're looking for. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who have come together through prayer and encouragement, financial support and more whenever a medical need arises and it's not insurance because you're not limited by restrictive networks. So say you've got a medical need, you don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network too. Nope, you just go to the hospital you choose. Don't give a second thought as to what's in which network and what's not because with Samaritan Ministries, you control your health care. Afterwards, fellow members will pray for you, send money directly to you to help you pay your bills, and when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical health care sharing looks like. You can check it out. Today at Samaritan Ministries.org, Slash Steve Dace. Samaritan Slash Steve Dace. Again, Samaritan Ministries.org, Slash Steve Dace. All right, coming up on today's program, uh, we have a lot going on, even for Monday. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. It'll be good to see him for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, it'll, it's been a few weeks since we've done an Ask Me Anything. We're going to do one of those at, uh, in the, the top of next hour as well. And then uh, a friend of mine, Pastor Paul Blair, who is trying to raise up a black-robed regiment for the 21st century in America, he will join us uh, to close out the show a little bit later on as well. But before we get there, I want to mention, because uh, I'm getting a ton of these now, and I don't know if, if, if you know if you guys are okay with this. I, I kind of feel bad since I opened the door about now telling people no, Okay. So Eric wants to wish happy birthday to his 18-year-old daughter, Haley. I mean, I'm getting a ton of these now. Um, Birthday wishes for uh, Dana, whose mom turned 80 years old on Thursday. Her mother, Faye, turned 80 years old on Thursday, and she is a a faithful listener. Karen's husband, Corey, turned 65 on Friday. Uh, And so happy birthday to Corey from his loving wife. Uh, Madison, uh, who has, who's a father of uh, a five, four boys and a special needs princess. Friday was his birthday. And uh, he's a big listener to both us and Glenn Beck. So we wanted to wish him a happy birthday as well. This one might be my favorite one, though. I'm sure the other ones are great. Doug Shirley wants to wish his wife, Christina, uh, a happy birthday on the twenty. For, she, turned, she Her birthday is the 21st. Uh, we got married a couple of... Uh, of years ago and quote, if I may say so, she's an absolute smoke show. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? so Doug wants to wish his wife, Christina, a happy birthday as well. So I, I, uh, here's another one. Um, 29th birthday is Saturday, August 19th. I'm giving these as soon as you guys send me, cause I know I'll forget if you send them to me in advance, they'll, I, I guys, I get 500 emails a day. So if you want me to go the day you send them to me is when they're going to go. All right. Um, and this is uh, the 29th birthday to, man, I'm going to try to say this. Uh, my husband and I have four eldest daughters. Our eldest, Kelly Jessup O'Cottle, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, and she has joined me in listing you guys every single day. Her birthday, her 29th, is on August the 19th. So Kelly Jessup O'Cottle, happy early birthday to you. At some point, we probably got to cut this off, right? Or no? It's just okay to keep giving you know, people birthday wishes. After all, they are the customers here. They're the reason why we get to
0: do this for a living, right? Should we just have one it's, segment a week? Happy birthday, just 20 that's minutes. That's not a bad idea, 20 actually. minutes of happy birthdays. Just go full,
1: it's full AM radio, fire up the Beatles. Yep. Today is your birthday. Morning Zoo, it's birthday shout-out time. Here on your Morning Zoo radio, The Blaze. Yes. Check Here's clears either Aaron. way, right? What's that? Check clears either way, right? Check clears either way. All right, let's get to the real stuff. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
0: What Happened While We Were Away brought to you by What Happened in 2020 Anyway. After Donald Trump was arraigned in Washington, D.C. on his latest indictment late last week, facing charges for his actions on and around January 6th, his lead attorney, Alina Haba, did nothing to dispel the allegation that Trump's inner circle of advisors believed he lost the election and told the former president as much, despite going out and claiming it was stolen.
2: I think that everybody was made aware that he lost the election, but that doesn't mean that that was the only advice he was given. As anybody understands what happens in the Oval Office, there are a numerous amount of advice and politicians and lawyers not just one or two that are giving you advice and telling you what they believe is true so he may not agree with Mike Pence he may not agree with one of his lawyers but that doesn't mean that there weren't other people advising him
0: that was before reporting resurfaced over the weekend showing Donald Trump did indeed enable and fund the mail-in voting scheme that likely cost him the 2020 election via the cares Act he signed that year within the cares Act were provisions that sent over 400 million dollars to states to enable mail-in voting, among other measures. On NBC News this morning, Ron DeSantis hit Trump for greenlighting the mail-in voting scheme that's caused so many problems for Republicans across the country.
2: Why did we have all those mail votes? Because of Trump turned the government over to Fauci, they embraced lockdowns, they did the CARES Act, which funded mail-in ballots across the country. Donald Trump signed that bill that funded the mail ballots that all the Republicans have been so concerned about. Uh, And also with the censorship of the Hunter Biden, that was Donald Trump's FBI that was working with that. He didn't have control over his own government. So me as the nominee, we will not let them run circles around us. If there is ballot in Florida, we ban ballot harvesting, right? I think that's what you should do. If there is ballot harvesting that's allowed in like Nevada, we are going to do it too. We're not gonna fight with one hand tied behind our back.
0: Also on the campaign trail, DeSantis was in New Hampshire where he had a town hall with WMUR-TV, and he was asked how he handles the ongoing
2: smears and insults from Trump. So here's the thing. These insults are so phony. These insults are juvenile. That is not the way a great nation should be conducting itself. That is not the way the President of the United States should be conducting himself. You know, one of the things I think about the former president, and I appreciate he did do a lot of great things, and I was a big supporter, but he's running in 2024 on the things that he promised to do in 2016 and didn't do. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not drain the swamp. Not even close. We ended his presidency with Anthony Fauci running the country. You couldn't even fire Fauci? And so now you're going to go drain the swamp? Give me a break. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. Do you see the border secured? I see people coming in uh, infinitum. He said that he was going to lock Hillary up, just like he's now saying he's going to do a special counsel for Biden. Biden two weeks after the election in 2020, ah, forget about it, don't worry about it. And then he actually said he was going to eliminate the national debt. He added $8 trillion to the debt. We've paid down our debt in Florida. He did more in four years than any president has ever done to expand it. That's the record we should talk about. Uh, don't worry about you know how he does his hair, how this, all that. We've got to stop with that. And here's the thing, as Republicans, that will cause us to lose if we behave that way.
0: In South Carolina, the aforementioned Trump once again praised Senator Lindsey Graham.
3: A friend of mine and a guy who
4: really understands politics, I think he understands politics better than anybody. That's why he keeps getting elected once. And I'll tell you something, uh, you have a good man, he's a good man, and he loves you and he loves this state. He's controversial, a little bit like I am. We maybe don't always agree on everything, but he's got a little controversy, but he's smart as hell, and he does a fantastic job for your state, Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator. Thank you, Lindsey. Thank you. And
3: he does. He does a great job. And he's been with me, and I appreciate it. Solves a lot of problems, this man.
0: In Kentucky, the people who voted for Mitch McConnell heckled Mitch McConnell at an event over the weekend, shouting, retire and ditch Mitch. I'm glad Governor Bashir finally decided. To- some good news for once. North Dakota regulators have denied a route permit for the controversial carbon capture pipeline project planned by Iowa-based Summit Carbon Solutions. The pipeline has caused numerous eminent domain issues in South Dakota, where some landowners have basically been held captive on their own property as surveyors plan and execute the building of that pipeline. Looks like that shouldn't be an issue in North Dakota for the foreseeable future. In other good news, a judge has ruled in favor of seven Massachusetts state troopers who lost jobs over refusing to get the COVID-19 jab. Seven state troopers will be reinstated after that judge ruled the state had violated anti-discrimination laws by forcing the jab. And finally, this from the Babylon B, White House says Bidenomics so successful, the average American has twice as many jobs as they had two years ago. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: All right, Aaron's montage is brought to you by our friends over at Better Spectacles. The good news is uh, when uh, my sight started to go bad with uh, a little far and a little near. Uh, we were able to fix that very quickly with our friends at Better Spectacles. Even better, they not only got me uh, state-of-the-art technology uh, to correct my vision, but uh, sometimes if you need bifocals or progressive lenses, you had to wear the Harry Carey Coke bottles for many, many years. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you can even get the cool frames uh, like the uh, German-engineered Rodenstocks that I am wearing today. So you can wear the cool frames that all the other regular stigmatisms get to wear as well and still get all the great service at Better Spectacles. Dot com slash Steve. Go there to schedule your teleoptical appointment. You won't even have to leave your home. Don't settle for your eyesight, especially when they're offering you 61% off as their introductory offer for their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. That's why right. that's right. They'll throw this the frames in for free. All right. Great glasses can change lives when you go to better com slash Steve. Again, better com slash Steve. So a little disclaimer. Over the weekend, several people who care about me uh, warned me that as the steroid regimen goes on, my communication is getting more aggressive. This morning, I received the largest steroid injection that I have yet on top of I'm still on a very large uh, regimen of oral steroids. Okay, so. In fact, my wife literally just texted me. Remember. Like Spock, remember. Okay, all right. (laughs) So, with that said, rather than just do the typical rhetorical response I will usually do to Aaron's montage, let me see if I can keep my uh, edge somewhat in check Um. By asking some questions and I I, because I I don't know the answers. I sat here on election night on the blaze. Starting with what was going on in Arizona and Antrim County, Michigan, pointing out things weren't correct, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So so, uh, that was, we did almost an all nighter. It started off as a cast of thousands. By the end, it was basically Glenn and I doing smoking camels and doing shots to try to stay awake until the end. And then finally at 3 a.m., we just decided we'll call it a morning. All right. But uh, I mean, Glenn and I are just taping our eyelids open keep this thing going waiting to see what other craziness were so we didn't even make it you know I, I went back to the room i crashed i got up about four hours later and i awoke to the video of the massive ballot drops in places like your home state of wisconsin yes. about 5 a.m by police escort remember those yeah as one would do yeah. yeah i mean you see this a lot in places like sure. you know venezuela russia <laughs> yeah places like that you know places where uh, they let freedom ring right Yes, indeed. Yeah, now we're seeing him in Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and and all the. You know, I'm I'm on the air, and I've got a, one of my best buddies is on the Trump advance team. In Pennsylvania to monitor the vote count out there, and he is just texting me from like outside Philadelphia County, you know, vote headquarters, and they he's just telling me, I mean, I th- this guy. This guy's been a guest in my home many, many times for many years. I I helped get him started in politics. I mean, he's almost like a little brother, basically. He's not pulling my leg, okay? And he's like, Steve, like, they're boarding up windows. They painted the windows black. They won't let us in. We can't see what's going on. And I, I am very much on edge at what I am witnessing. Because what I'm witnessing here is a coup. And like a real one now not like the Mueller probe where I think a lot of that just began as left wing fan fiction and then it became it took off on a life in their own and they like couldn't like reel it back in so they like crap man let's just let this play out and it was so terrible and so obvious in the end um, that even Bill Barr the one act of of stewardship of statesmanship that he gave the entire time he was Trump's AG was to shut that whole thing down right at the end And kudos to, you know, people in our movement, like uh, Bongino and Levin, who saw from the beginning it was a house of cards. I did not. They did. Kudos to them for seeing it. By the time we got to the Mueller report, it was pretty clear you kept waiting for there's no there there. And Bill Barr decided to come in, point out there's no there there. And that's about the only thing he's done good for the country in the last few years, in my view. After that, he was a colossal failure. And remember, we did all these shows. The, the, yes. the, the after that, pointing out where is he on weaponization? Where where is he on, um, you know, fortifying the all this stuff? How many times we sit there and point out on this show? How many times did I say, does Bill Barr do anything other than play the bagpipes? And and he's going viral. Much of the a lot of my peers who right now are trashing him were putting out viral clips of his snotty sips of water before Congress. And I'm like, that's not. That, that doesn't do anything, right? And then, we get to, then then we get to the aftermath of the election. and now between uh, the, the two topics, Facebook where still 80 percent of you have an account and more people more more of you get our content via Facebook than any other third party platform. And the two things you can't talk about on Facebook are stealing the election and the poisonous jab, that's all we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Which means I, I probably have the largest show in America that has like no Facebook account. Over the weekend, I tried to come up with like really stupid content. Like here are the rankings of, of the conservative podcasts just to see if I could find some way, you know, <laughs> to something innocuous I could post on Facebook because I have like no following there no activity there they won't ban me because that would help my case so they've just stapler guide me they've just moved me down the hall with a stapler you know and a desk and you know yeah you can have an account there's no one will see it you know and i got our entire channel demonetized because i called this out then we get to the aftermath of the election and i mean I'm, i'm frustrated day after day Right away, Supreme Court Justice Samuel leto takes the, the ballots in, in, in Pennsylvania and says, hey, there's a chain of custody issue with these ballots. Set mm-hmm. those aside. He was That's his district. He was anticipating this was going to come before the Supreme Court. Instead, we're releasing krakens and flow charts. And um, we've got, you know, Mike Lindell has somehow figured out in 10 minutes that China hacked our elections. Maybe it happened. I don't know how the hell he figured that out in 10 minutes. OK, but we're doing all that stuff that we couldn't possibly We could not possibly answer but it's it it, but it's captured our imaginations and over here in the corner is like the evidence just like sitting there like all these ballots are like uniformly filled out that somehow we had a massive increase in mail-in ballots but the vo- in the volume but the efficiency in which they were handled and and submitted is higher than it's ever been cuz that's how business processes work whenever you do more of something for the first time it's always more efficient everyone that owns a business knows this it is a well-known fact first day of wharton business they tell they teach you when you expand a division efficiency always goes up first they always tell you that it's a well-known fact you're always better at something the first time you do it always so these like th- these these Pennsylvania ballots are just sitting there, like in some like in the closet next to the Ark of the Covenant. In some hangar somewhere waiting for someone to adjudicate while we're off here, you know, and Rudy Giuliani's hair dye is, you know, sweating, you know, and we got all these fantastical tales that are just. Meanwhile, that clock was ticking. Right. Yes. And they're going to certify that election. Right. Yes. Yeah. December comes. Electoral College certifies the election. Right. Yes. And, all, and that evidence is still just sitting there. No one's doing anything with it. Right. We said that many times. Yep, and we're just going back and then we're just tasting this fantastical tale. Right. Yeah. And then January 6th comes. And a few people were thugs and rioters and should be punished for. Many others, however, did nothing more other than just walk through the Capitol grounds and complex freely, peacefully, and went to prison for that. Had their livelihoods lost because they thought they were there to stop the steal and to make their voices at least known if they couldn't stop it. And now. <laughs> And now Trump's senior advisor, Jason Miller, is on camera. We saw this last week saying, well, we knew all along that we lost, and we told him that. Now Trump's attorney is saying, oh, yeah, he was told he was lost. That was the clip that Aaron just played. Over the weekend, I had no idea. The the first I heard that the CARES Act... is is what paid for all the ballot harvesting around the around the country 400 million dollars was this weekend i didn't know i didn't know this this was new to me i, I found out this weekend blew my mind I, mean, I already knew that was one of the worst pieces of legislation in american history that's the one that uh, thomas massey forced them to do an actual vote instead of a voice vote and trump went after him and said he's going to try to primary him for that remember that yes yeah I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Donald Trump handed him $400 million to steal the election from him via ballot harvesting. He gave him the money. Gave him the money. And I, I don't understand, how am I supposed to react to this? That's my question. am i just supposed to forget that he wrote him a 400 million dollar check to steal the election i mean I, i i see every day more and more evidence of this toxic jab and a and a lot of times it comes from people that are among his most vociferous supporters and it's like there's like this dangling participle out there this dot like we're not allowed to connect Well, forgive me, I've I've made a career out of connecting the dots they told me I could not connect, and I'm not going to stop now. Got me this far. I I don't understand. Why is he more important than the people that went to prison and lost their lives? Because they thought they were stopping an election from being stolen. Just right now, in my home state of Michigan, there's like a, a dozen senior citizens that... Gretchen Witchmer is going to send to freaking Siberia, man. Because they pursued the very plan that we're all attacking Mike Pence for not doing. And by the way, I'm, I just want to be on the record. I'm pretty much on the... I'm okay with attacking Mike Pence on virtually any grounds. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> all right? But these, are, these people are going to prison, guys. They're in the vile clutches of Gretchen Witchmer. Why don't they matter? So, so I just want to ask, what, what are we doing? I'm, I'm asking. I, I don't understand the point. We, we gave him $400 million. Our guy gave him $400 million to steal the election from us. Billions of dollars to poison us. And I'm just, help me understand how I'm just supposed to overlook this fact. Trust me, there's there's, all the incentives coming my way would be to do so. I've got a DVD launch on August 15th. Wonder what would happen if I made a couple of phone calls and I said to some key people I know in Trump world, man, I will drop the freaking hammer on Ron DeSantis tomorrow. I just need your network to work my movie Cha-ching Cha-ching There's nothing that incentivizes me Asking these questions It upsets people around me That I work for and with It upsets you It's not easy on me When people I like and care about Are upset I just, I just don't understand How so many are willing to just Overlook these, piece, these, these key facts And move on People lost their lives over something that now Trump's attorney, whichever number attorney this is, is out there saying, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was told this all along. I I don't know. That's all I got. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to process it. I don't. and maybe just maybe i'm just r- more sensitive to gaslighting than i should be because i was gaslit pretty much my entire childhood good and bad and so anytime i see anything remotely close to that i just have a tendency to viscerally push it back and push back on it and and maybe it maybe the case is i don't understand that he's bigger than us he matters more than we do. And what matters to him matters more than what happens to the rest of us. And maybe you do understand that, and I should, and I don't. Because I I, I don't understand. I don't understand why it doesn't matter that... A large group of people think Ron DeSantis' answer on what happened in the last election isn't sufficient when they have nothing to say about the fact that they only pulled off what they did in the last election because Donald Trump gave them $400 million to do that. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't understand a lot of people who are very proud they didn't take the vaccine but then want to promote him at the exact the guy who is proud of the vaccine. I, I don't understand. I don't. And I want to because we're on the same side. And this doesn't, I'm not, I'm not doing me or anybody here any good by asking these questions. But I need better answers other than the ones I'm currently being offered. Do you gentlemen have anything that you would like to add? And we'll just move on with the show after this
5: we're just in that weird spot you know there's you mentioned in the movies you enjoy watching over the years you there's an understanding you a lot of the actors won't share your worldview but the content is good and so you you know you just go on with it and you exist we're in this real, real, world world yeah, in Trump land where that is reversed you it's not the content of the movie it's it's the person everybody is just going to see And the actual content of the movie, what it's about, whether it's accurate, matters not. They're just going to see the star. He could do porn tomorrow, doesn't matter. Could do something that makes uh, Last Temptation of Christ look like orthodoxy. It it just doesn't matter. That's That's a bad place to be in, and it ultimately leads to nowhere satisfying.
1: That last part there. I, I'm just not satisfied with the answers and that's why I can't and that's why I can't move on don't ever More in a moment Back here on the Steve Day Show. Don't forget about our friends over at Bambi. When you're running a business, your employees can create uh, some interesting dilemmas and situations, especially if you are a small business. And HR managers can run up to 80 grand a year on average. Uh, what if you could get this done um, with Bambi instead? They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. So on, everything uh, is available to you. All changing HR regulations, everything you need, and it's only. Just $99 a month for your own dedicated HR manager. You can't beat it. 99 bucks a month and no long-term contracts either. So you can cancel at any time. So if you're a seasonal business, for example, or you're in a season right now because of Let's Go Brandon that you got to make some cutbacks, but you still have this need, take advantage of their service just for now on a temporary basis. Or you can stick with it long-term because you love the results that you see. So go to Bambi.com, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com, and type in Steve Dace, All right. Type in Steve Dace where it says under podcast when you sign up, it'll help you and the show. Type in Steve Dace under podcast when you go to Bambi.com, Bambi.com. There he is. Let's welcome back. Our good friend Bob Vander here at the Family Leader.
3: How are you doing, brother? I'm doing really well. Good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. What have you been up to? Well, we did a leadership summit one weekend and then off to Florida the next weekend and then uh, out in Telluride, Colorado, celebrate a 40th anniversary. Congratulations. And now back. So we never had a chance to download with you after the leadership summit. And and
1: actually, in hindsight, now that a few weeks have played out, that was kind of considered really by a lot of people, the official kickoff of the Iowa caucuses. And and right now, frankly, there's really only one candidate that's actually working our state very hard here this summer, which I'm a little surprised by. I mean, Tim Scott is running some television ads. Um, You know, I would say Vivek was in here before anybody else was, but I don't remember the last time he did anything of consequence in Iowa. So we have one candidate coming out of your leadership summit. One candidate has actually been on the ground a lot here since. That's Ron DeSantis working the state. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the former president has other pressing issues at the moment, unfortunately. So what's your read now that you've had a few weeks to digest and now you're back here at home and you survey the landscape? What's your read of how that event did or did not shape the, the full onslaught stage of the campaign right now?
3: Well, first of all, you know, we did our, our leadership summit three weeks ago from Friday. And, you know, I, I could say a lot has changed. One is there's a great leadership summit. And thanks to Blaze TV, I think like 10 million people have viewed pieces of that leadership summit. So people really took it in. As you noted, uh, we always do principle over politics. So Alistair Begg, Dr. Bill Lyle, different messages were delivered. But the focus yeah, can was... We just let's park it there yeah, for a second. Yeah. I was talking to mm-hmm. an acti- a
1: key activist in another state this morning sure. about your event. And the point I wanted to make to him was that's not a political event. It is not a It's only event. it's only been a political event twice in its ten-year history, and it's because it was the summer leading up to a contested Iowa caucus, which means eight of the other ten times. This is a large, largely a worldview. Um, yeah. It's a biblical teaching. It's an activist training event. Yeah. It is not a, a perennial event for candidates. In fact, we're not used to seeing him at that event.
3: Yeah. And really, what we always try to do say a biblical worldview leadership application. And we thought this year it did the same thing: biblical worldview with Alistair Begg, leadership leadership application with Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Asa Hutchison, Tim Scott. And then of course you got Tucker Carlson there representing the media and doing, doing the interviews. So that was six months six months and a day to the Iowa Coxes when we had the leadership summit. Now we're just over five months. And what you're seeing is you're seeing Ron DeSantis, as you mentioned, he's working exceptionally hard. I took him to church yesterday. He told me at church, he said that next weekend when he comes out to Iowa for the state fair, that will be his fourth consecutive weekend in the state of Iowa, all starting out with our leadership summit. So he's working it really hard. You had Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, I believe at um, Congressman Hinson's deal yesterday up in Cedar Rapids along with Governor DeSantis. So now's the time though, are you gonna get boots on the ground? As you know, it's an organizational exercise for the Iowa caucuses. And if you can organize them well and structure it well, you have a good chance of being successful on January fifteenth. How much does organization matter in Iowa? Matters, I mean, especially for the Iowa caucus, matters more than anything. Ask Donald Trump about that. Uh, Trump was basically a lot on name ID in 2015, 2016. Cruz really built one heck of an organization led by our good friend, Brian English. And Cruz was able to you know, monetize that into a caucus victory on caucus night where Trump should have won by five. You know, Cruz wins by four. And the real story there is that Marco Rubio just about took over Donald Trump for second place. So organization matters a lot.
1: Do you agree or disagree with what I just said? I I should have asked you that, that it's it's odd. But right now there appears to be only one candidate that's actually heavily working the ground in Iowa over the course of the summertime.
3: Well, there's no doubt. Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, is working it. He's doing his full Grassley, his 99 county tour. He's going to small counties as well as other big events, pizza ranches uh, to our church yesterday. But Vivek has been here more often than you think. Uh, He's been here quite a bit. Nikki Haley has as well. And obviously, I think right now, I think that what you mentioned earlier about Tim Scott, he's saturating the air, airways right now with his TV ads. So you went to church yesterday with Ron
1: DeSantis. What was your take spending that kind of time with him? Well, first first of all, of all was, he even, was, was he comfortable in that setting to you? Or, oh, without question. Or was he just um, there to grandstand? No.
3: Because it's not like we no. haven't seen politicians do that before, right? And maybe it's because I've gotten to know uh, Governor DeSantis and Casey a little bit better now. Uh, But one is they're very easy people to be around. Uh, You like being around them. And you can't say that about every politician. You know, sometimes it's like, "Ah, I'd rather not be around them that much. But Governor Ron and Casey, uh, they really do well at the retail politics. Um, After church service, we went out into the lobby just to basically shake some hands. And we thought we'd leave fairly quickly. And all of a sudden, organically, lines formed that they wanted to meet Ron DeSantis. They wanted to get their picture taken with him. They wanted to meet Casey DeSantis, get their picture taken with her. And I told Darla, said, if this church service is any indicator about the Iowa caucuses, he's doing way better than what the polls are indicating.
1: So what's the next key juncture here in Iowa that for a national audience will matter? Is it the reaction, is, is it or is it really just... The debate on the 23rd is, is, is maybe the, the next sifting event, and Iowa will respond
3: to what is seen on that stage rather than that stage will respond to what's yeah. going on in Iowa. Well, well the debate's going to play a big role because there's going to be a lot of people, especially Iowans, tuning into that debate, especially the Iowans who plan on caucusing. They'll be tuned into the August 23 debate. But I also believe what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks at the Iowa State Fair it's so the first time I know uh, in my memory that the sitting governor, Kim Reynolds, is going to be interviewing them. Uh, I forget what she's calling it. Basically, a chat with Governor Reynolds or something. Now, it won't be a Tucker Carlson interview, mm-hmm. uh, but I still think you're going to see a lot from what Governor Reynolds and how she asks the questions, how she's receiving the answers, those type of things. And As you mentioned before, if she decides to play in this Iowa caucuses, she'll have a heavy thumb. On the scale, Do you think hmm. she will? I think if she's really feels like I'm needed to play, uh, I think she will. Uh, she's not one to sit on the sidelines very easily. But at the same time, I think she wants to keep this very open, very fair, very level for all the candidates. She wants to showcase Iowa more than showcase Kim Reynolds.
1: I saw a, an interview mm-hmm. with Nikki Haley mm-hmm. this morning. And uh, I mean, she came right out and said whether Trump is there or not in Milwaukee in two weeks it will probably go easy on him and we're all going to probably gang up and attack Ron DeSantis. And I guess maybe I'm just wired differently. I, I don't care about that. I mean, I did. I mean, you won't say this. I I will. I mean, I, if you're Ron DeSantis, man, and you can't beat, uh, worship animals instead of eat them and a bunch of has that never were, then let's just find out now, man, and just all move on with the rest of our lives. Like if, like, if, if the guy who destroyed the Florida Democratic Party can't handle getting uh, ganged up on by a, a group of people that from a resume standpoint, from my perspective, couldn't hold his jockstrap. Then he's just not the guy that a lot of people were anticipating. And I just as soon find that out now. That's kind of my take on it. Sure. Well, first it's, of all, I I mean, th- this is the, this is this is the hardest job in the mm-hmm. world. You're going to get ganged up on all the time.
3: Right. And first of all, Nikki Haley's right. And I don't think she be a surprise to anybody. There's two there's two races happening. One is who can be the alternative to Trump and then can the alternative Trump beat Trump? So your first step is to be, I wanna emerge as a clear alternative to Trump. And once that happens, now can I beat Trump? And for Ron DeSantis to be in the focus of this debate, whether it be from Nikki Haley or Vivek or Mike Pence or whoever else is on the debate stage, that's a compliment to Ron DeSantis because he's viewed right now as a clear alternative to Donald Trump. Now you're right, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to figure out, you know, can I weather this storm? I happen to believe the debate stage and watching Ron DeSantis uh, in these town hall meetings and those type of things, I think the debate stage might be more or less his natural habitat. I think this is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to play. He wants to get on the specifics, not the personality of it, but I wanted to really talk about the issues. So I think he'll perform or perform very well on the debate stage.
1: Do you think the you think Trump ought to be there? I was told by a little birdie over the weekend that Trump is actually more inclined to show than the staff, um, and that they think they have he believe he believes, like notice it's been a week since this last indictment, and we haven't been inundated with. Here's our fundraising numbers like we Mm -hmm. were the previous ones. Does anybody else notice that? You guys have you guys seen a bunch of stories about here's how much money we're raising after the last Mm -hmm. round like we did. And I thought that would be the case. And we got I mean, this is kind of getting maxed out. The former president is nothing of a not a master marketer. And so I think what I've been told by a little birdie is he is saying to his team, I have to show on the 23rd that this thing like we've milked these indictments for all they're worth now. And we've 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 maxed that out, and I I think I need to show up. And the campaign staff is just like, no, it's a
3: waste of your time. Too big of a risk. Don't do it. What's well, interesting, I know this for a fact because uh, I had the front row seat here. His campaign team wanted him at our leadership summit. Like, you cannot give away that base. Mm-hmm. You, you have to show, and by showing up, it shows you want to play. You can do a drop the mic of the three justices and other things, moving the embassy to Jerusalem. You need to be in front of that base. And I believe he made the decision, no, I'm not gonna go because Vander Plaats and the family leader are not gonna endorse me anyhow. So why would I waste my time and give them that kind of basically credibility? Here, though, I think, Steve, what you talked about with the fundraising numbers after after the third indictment and the pending fourth indictment, there's an exhaustion level here. And it's an exhaustion level, not just with the people looking for an alternative to Trump, it's happening in Trump world as well. And that's why that poll came out that over half of the people who say they support Trump right now are looking for an alternative to Trump. There's an exhaustion level happening. The only way to inspire and not be exhausted is for him to be on the debate stage and to show I am superior to every one of these and this is why you still want me. I think he knows from a showmanship place, he needs to be on that debate stage. I can see his camp, his campaign team saying, no, let's just kind of rest on our laurels. There's no reason to risk anything. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to be on the debate stage. And I think if he believes that, he's right on that issue. If you're Ron DeSantis, do you want Trump on that debate stage or not? Without no? question. I think you want Trump on that debate stage because one is gonna it's gonna make your uh, viewing audience double or triple or quadruple if Trump is on the debate stage. Two is you're gonna show that you can go toe to toe with a former president. So while the others are going after you, you forget about the others and now you go after him. And it almost gives you a display of, look at I know they're going after me, I don't care. I'm going I'm going directly to him. Steve, you I know you remember back in 2010 when I ran against Governor Terry Branstad. There was a third candidate by the name of Rod Roberts. Mm-hmm. And Rod Roberts and Terry Branstad were both going after me. I forgot about Rod Roberts, and all I did was focus on Terry Branstad. And the Des Moines Register said after that debate, if Branstad loses this election, it's gonna be this debate right here. That's what DeSantis wants. He wants Trump to show up because now, okay, I'll take all your incoming fire which shows the viewing audience, you're not candidate enough to go after him. You only wanna go after me, but I'm gonna go after him. I think it, it's a win-win for Ron DeSantis.
1: Final thing, I mean, nobody knows the state. Whenever the media calls me and asks me for my take, and they always ask me, you know, who else should they talk to, I always tell them you. I mean, <laughs> I mean I, I, you're the only one I know that knows yeah. it better than I do, so
3: where are we at in iowa right now do you think what's the environment in iowa the environment in iowa if i had to predict today and I, i'm just talking about today i'm not even talking about january 15. if the caucuses were held today i don't believe trump wins uh i think it's probably a desantis that wins i think he's got organizational numbers out there already and then you'll see somebody like a Vivek or somebody else surprise and coming in in a third place January 15, I really don't believe Trump wins. I think this exhaustion factor with all the indictments and the complaint of the past. And then like you point out, look at this ballot harvesting stuff, this new election during COVID stuff that was funded by you. Kind of, I think more and more of that stuff is going to get exposed as well. People want a vision for the future. And that's why I actually thought in New Hampshire the there, Dave, day that Ron DeSantis did a great job by bringing out differences between him and Trump, showing that Trump is running on in 2024, what he promised to do in 2016, and he's the one to get it done. So I think the Iowa caucus right now are not just wide open. I think they're tilting to an alternative to Trump. Hmm.
1: You guys have any thoughts before we get out of here in the next two minutes?
0: I would just say church yesterday, I, w- I was surprised as well. Our church, Bob, is made up predominantly of young families, 25 to 45, would you
3: say? Uh, It was a common theme amongst the DeSantis in their campaign years. They couldn't believe how young (laughs) our church was. I think they thought, we know you're old. What are you doing going to a young church?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and they, I mean, they were mobbed yesterday as well. So if that is a microcosm or any indication, I think that's a a good sign.
3: There's a young man, Aaron, waiting in line. His name is Connor. I don't think you mind me saying it uh but I said do you want to meet Governor DeSantis he he basically said he's my hero and so I introduced Connor to Governor DeSantis and this kid's probably 20 22 years old and just all in for the governor that's a good sign for Ron DeSantis
5: Todd well that's uh I'm excited to hear that from uh young families because really that's It's ultimately about that, the cornerstone of whatever this thing is, the right of centers of the movement, it, it ultimately has to be about that first. It's why you're called the family leader and not yeah. something else. And if we can look at our wives or look at our husbands and together look at our children and see ourselves in in that family, we'll see that a man believes in principle, but it's because that that family means something to one another. It's, it's not just... To, a place setting it's it's real it's the thing that makes this whole thing go and the fact that we do happen to have uh, more kids it ultimately can't just ultimately it, elections more people show up fine but who are those people what do yeah. they stand for if there's that level of content i want to meet them because i see that they believe what i believe and then together we can change things that's everything that's the whole ball game
3: a very subjective take if i can And that is the young families, I think, are really DeSantis' demographic. And the reasons you saw in those young families yesterday, not only do they want a bold and courageous leader, which he represents, they want somebody that their kids can look up to, which I believe he and Casey represent as well.
1: By the way, 52% of Iowa caucus goers in 2016 were aged 30 to 64, so older millennials and Gen Xers. Were a slight majority of the turnout in 2016. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, guys. Your turn to ask me anything when we come back. All right, back here with hour two. Thank you for bearing with us, literally it has been an interesting summer around here between all the auxiliary cooling we have to do and so the white noise you've got to go through <laughs>
0: i can probably throw that box away now i don't think we could even take it back
1: yeah it's probably been too long now if we wanted to try and uh, cheap cheapskate it um i've got uh, i lost 90 percent of my hearing on w- in one ear for my 50th birthday i've recovered about 30 to 40 percent of it so there's that right it just you know and i'm on steroids so at any moment i could snap it's been a it has been an interesting summer around here on the show so let's let the audience ask
5: you questions
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no you forgot yes. to mention the editor of your uh, of your movie it was in a car crash. oh my gosh
1: thank you for mentioning that i mean i think that's the ninth that is the ninth vehicular accident we've had now with a member of our cast and crew for nefarious our outstanding editor brian jeremiah smith i'm sure he's listening today glad to hear everybody's okay another totaled car another one
0: nine coincidences
1: yeah I mean, I, I, oh, man. Um, some serious bumps and bruises there. Nobody, though, it looks like seriously injured, so that's good. But uh, at, at this point, man, when I when I get an alert that one of us texted the other in our text chain of our senior creative team, I'm afraid to look. Like, I'm just like, oh, no, what happened? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just, it has been crazy. It's been absolutely Crazy! Did you guys see what the media tried to do to Sound of Freedom a few days ago? Yeah. Some guy donated five hundred bucks to the crowdfunding for Angel Studios. Oh yes. Who was yes. Uh, who? Had, yeah. Was he a, was he a child kidnapper or human no. trafficker? No. Wasn't even that. Wasn't
0: even that. He no. owned an apartment that he let some woman stay at. That's right. Yeah. This woman brought her kids, whom she did not have custody of, so he was charged with accessory to child kidnapping. Yeah. And he's a financier, a financier. Yeah, of he five
1: hundred dollar check to finance a multi million dollar film, and breathless headlines in the media about how this a donor, how this uh, investor of Sound of financier. Freedom is a is yeah. financier. Thank you, is a human trafficker.
0: I'm convinced. Is this a fair take? Seeing what the media has tried to do to this movie, I've not seen it yet. But seeing what they've tried to do to this movie, are the media just huge fans of child sex trafficking? I, is that a fair take?
1: Yes. And what's happening is more and more people the movie's really good. Don't let's not let's not dismiss the fact that it's, it's not that it's it's making a good point. It's a good movie. It's a gripping movie. I mean, Cavizales is incredible in the movie. And and, and 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 so what's happening is people what this is now why the movie's going to make 200 million. Because another now, another round of people who are like, okay, enough. This movie, now you want to see it out of curiosity. You know what I'm saying? And then you're like, why is this political at all? It is not political at all. The only overtly religious thing in the film is when they say several times, God's children are not for sale. That's it. There's no sermonizing. The rest of it is a, it's a cop. It's an undercover sting drama, you know? And uh, they have made that movie a ton of money and and it deserves every ounce of it. I'm, I'm ecstatic for it. And so that movie has been attacked on a reputational basis. Our movie has been attacked on every other basis. <laughs> and so thankfully Brian is okay. And uh, everybody's out of the hospital and uh, the DVD for Nefarious launches a week from tomorrow, August 15th. So pre-sales are available now. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. They've got a brand new product. from the people that came up with the, the Jace case of venerable antibiotics that could be the next on the list of the next emergency that are now suddenly not safe right when we need them the most, they wanted to make sure that you had those available. Well, now they want to make sure you've got your own meds available. We're facing Let's Go Brandon shortages, threats of new emergencies to come. Make sure you've got a 12-month backup of your essentials, whether that is uh, anything dealing from diabetes to heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more. Go to jacemedical.com, enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. Discount code is DACE at checkout at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Um, let us know what you think about what we think uh, by emailing the program Steve at stevedace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get her Instagram and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace over there. Thank you to all of you that have left us five star reviews on your preferred podcasting platform. Please, if you've yet to do that, consider doing so. And then also, uh, thank you for hitting subscribe or follow. That makes sure every brand new episode shows up in your podcast feed each and every day. And with that, it's been a minute since we've had a chance to do this. Let's do some Ask Me Anything. I'll get through as many of these as I can. We only have one segment this time because we have a special guest on at the bottom of the hour I want you to hear from. No topic is off limits. The questions come from our followers on Facebook, at least the few followers that Facebook is allowing me to interact with. Todd, you have selected the questions. I've not seen any of them. Now, Amy told me yesterday there's actually some good questions in here. Yeah, I thought not that so. there's not, I shouldn't say it like there's almost not, there's usually not. She just said, thought she thought there were really good questions to get answered on the show here today. I think so. All right, so I've not
0: seen them. You've curated them. Aaron, you have them. Let's roll. We'll begin with Randy Cantrell after a conversation with my brother-in-law who's a huge Trump supporter his objection to looking at DeSantis is the funding he's getting from the deep state Republican side Bush Republicans with the old phrase follow the money is there any truth to the financial backing and if so what is your opinion of that And this
5: is interesting enough to enough people that there are at least three versions of this question
1: okay Um, well first of all you have to look at what somebody's record is and, and anytime you ask me questions about this, I'm just a policy-outcome-driven guy. I don't care about personalities and all the other stuff that, frankly, a lot of other people do. Because in the end, names come and go. Policies are what determine our futures. So we're not talking about somebody who is an unknown. Like he's, Ron DeSantis isn't Ted Cruz in 2016, who'd been a senator for 10 minutes and had no record. This guy's governed on the second-largest stage in America the largest swing state in the union. So his records pretty right wing. And that, that shouldn't matter. By the way, that doesn't mean this question doesn't matter. It does. But, but, but the first, the first way to answer anybody's question is to look at, does somebody have a record, right? Like if you looked at his record, you still might want to know who the guy's donors are. And you do, you want to know who everybody's donors are, frankly. All right. You still do, but your suspicion might be, huh, Okay, because then the question changes, which is, all right, well, will he moderate now if he takes all this money or was he going against these interests before when he was governor? He went against the sugar lobby and lots of big time lobbies when he was governor. Are there people that have first of all, it's the Republican Party finding anybody of means who has never donated to George to a a guy named George Bush is going to be really hard. I mean, the Bushes are the dominant dynasty in the history of the modern Republican Party. I think 2016 was the first t- time there had been an election since 1964 that somebody whose last name of Bush was not on a ballot for a federal office. Either president, vice president, governor, Congress. I think that was – do you remember that stat? Does that sound familiar to you? It doesn't, I, but I, it doesn't I, surprise me. I, I think me, 2016 it. was the first time since 1964 that, there, that we had a national election and somebody who from the Bush family was not on a ballot for federal or statewide office somewhere. So if I mean if we're going to eliminate anybody who ever wrote a check to the Bushes, well, you probably have to eliminate trust. Yeah, Trump, I would imagine he's donated to them at some point. So that's number one. Number two, were there were, are there numerous big name donors who gave huge money to Trump in twenty sixteen and twenty twenty and then aligned with Ron DeSantis because they didn't think Trump could win? Yeah. Except what's funny now is a bunch of those, there's a bunch of articles out about how those people are all pissed off because they think DeSantis is too far right. So I, I would always ask people, you know, look at the record first. And, and ultimately, you, here's why. I, did I say look at the record only? No. No. But I would look at the record first. Why? Because it'll tell you whether the premise of your question is good or not. And, and, and then if the record's good, it's not. Still may be a good question. It just may have to be retailored. But we're, we're talking about a guy right now that there's upteen articles about donors losing. their There's a donor out that just said over the weekend, I'm not cutting DeSantis another check until he goes softer on issues. I mean, if I was running the DeSantis campaign, I had that commercial on the yeah. air right now. OK, but I'm not, you know, so that's why that stuff's not happening. But um, I, I think you have to look at you have to you always vet people through their record more than anything else, more than anything else. Like I wouldn't give a rip. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give a rip if Lindsey Graham had dinner at Mar-a-Lago every single night. If we, if Trump had not given um, billions of dollars to Operation Warp Speed and four hundred million dollars to ballot harvesting, now I care. You know what I'm saying? Because now I do start. Okay, well, we're we're looking at associations here. That, you know, w- what's the point of that? Because ultimately, records matter more than anything else. They're not the only thing that matters, but they matter more than any, everything else. And I think you always have to interpret ancillary questions you have about candidates through their record. If they don't have a record, then these kinds of questions matter more than anything else because we don't know these people. They've never been tested.
0: Can I take a stab at this as well, Steve? Sure. I saw somebody try to say that, that Ron DeSantis is being bankrolled by some Chinese Communist Party hedge fund. Let's just pretend is that a credible that- person that said that? No. Okay. But let's just pretend for, for this conversation, let's pretend that's true. What a piss poor return on investment. If that's true, the guy who banned Chinese CCP acquisition of of properties in Florida, who literally laid waste to the commies in Florida, if he's being bankrolled by the CCP, what a piss poor return on investment for the CCP. They got played. They got played. Same thing can be true. Let's say all the Bushies, all the deep state money. Let's say that's all rolling in for Ron DeSantis. They got played. Look at his record. They got played.
1: Well, that gets us into the the Trump world with the getter stuff and who the financier with that is, and he's under all kinds of federal investigations for his Chinese ties. I mean, I mean, Trump's campaign manager, Susie Wiles, she's a lobbyist, and her top her lobbying firm's top two clients are CCP companies. Now, I don't know how you do business in this world on any level without doing business with the CCP. I mean, it just that's the reality of the interconnected world we're living in but it it goes to show that a lot of times when people throw these sorts of lines around they really truly haven't looked into them
0: next up dan grochelle what was the best parenting advice you ever received and what was the worst sincerity be
1: authentic be real um the worst don't try to be like your dad Because what you think about all day long and the way you think about it, you'll eventually become. There's a reason the scriptures say, um, think long and hard about the most terrible parts of your, of your personality that you, that you like the least and really white knuckle it hard to try not to be like that. That's not what they say. Said Paul writes, keep your mind focused on things above. Like get outside of yourself. The answers aren't inside of you. They're outside of you. You're not God. Don't listen to Disney. Don't believe in yourself. Find a better God than you. And what I ended up finding early on before Christ was Thinking about not being like Dave, I was becoming more and more like Dave. It was learned behavior. It was all that I knew. And that's what my mind is focused on the entire time. Because what you think about and the way you think about it, you will eventually become. And the best advice I was given is be sincere and authentic. And so I've always tried to be that with our kids. When I made mistakes, I owned up to them the best that I could. And I wanted our kids to know all along that the standards in our home are not our standards. We can't live up to them perfectly either. And there are standards that God puts in place because he wants what is best for us. And those belong to him. And your mom and dad are doing their level best imperfectly to try to, you know, abide by those standards themselves.
0: Next, we go to Donna Paolini. You said we can't vote our way out of this not too long ago. Now you're saying we have to vote DeSantis. But why if we can't vote our way out of this? Sometimes you make no sense. It's a riddle, Batman. Which one is it?
1: Well, I think you're arguing two different things. Number one, I've not... Formally endorsed a candidate yet? I'm not saying you have to vote for DeSantis. I don't even know if I endorse DeSantis. If I would say that anyway, I mean, did I? When I was working for the Ted Cruz campaign, did we sit here every day just pounding people that you had to vote for Ted Cruz? Do you guys remember? That's how the show went during those days.
5: No, certainly no. not. Early. I mean, it, well, while we got to the end, I mean, there was some interesting times, but no, it wasn't that day uh, from the get-go.
1: I mean, even during the height of the Iowa caucuses and stuff like that. I mean, so. Uh, but when I say we can't vote our way out of this, I, I mean from the the level of existential that we are at. Like the idea that we're just going to sit around and watch Fox News and vote Republican—it's a whole ter- It's a whole paradigm I'm addressing when I say that. The old paradigm was we watch Fox News all day, get our marching orders, vote Republican to save America. Ain't going to cut it. Uh, the evil's too embedded, too far gone. Now this next election, I believe, on, on a micro level, you know, you got to think macro and micro at the same time. You know, in a biblical worldview, you're in the world not of it. You love the sin or love the sin or hate the sin. You know, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, it's very paradoxical. In a biblical worldview, you got to be nimble. And you got to make things that in your natural state will seem confusing and contradictory because your natural state is fallen. It's sinful. It's bad. And so it, it will not want to work that way. It'll want to, it'll want, it'll want to, it will not want to critically think. It'll want to pursue paths of least resistance. It'll want to go back to ruts or as Jesus put it, the dog returns to its own vomit, quoting from Proverbs. Okay. And so, um, we have to be willing to think two things are true at the same time and, and they're not in conflict with one another. They're just at different applicable levels on a meta level up here, the big level, Okay, we are too far gone to vote our way out of this. Even if you think Donald Trump is everything I think some of you think he is, or Ron DeSantis is everything some of you think I think he is. At best, at best, we're really arguing here who's the most effective speed bump to place in in a parking lot known as Washington, D.C. It's too far gone. I mean, our, the, the, at a fundamental level, the social compact of America is broken. We, we just can't trust the people we're living with anymore. And they don't trust us. So this is a tumor. Todd refers to it as a cancer. It, it is metastasized down into the lymph nodes now. Okay. It's in the bloodstream. So just, you know, having surgery and removing a mass ain't going to cut it. So that's what I mean when I say we can't vote our ways out of it. On, on a meta level, we're too far gone. It's revival or bust. On a macro level, I fear the window of putting someone in power who will apply some form of pressure that will create some form of a deterrent. I mean, right now what we have is our opponents have no qualms about doing anything they want to us or the people we like. They don't care. I promise you, there was not a conference call held anywhere within the Democratic Party today, measuring the blowback of arresting Donald Trump for essentially giving a political take that they did not like. I promise you, they didn't. They're not polling it. They don't care. Doesn't matter. They're not. They're not, they're not afraid. Why? Because when Bill Barr could have locked up Julie Swetnick, he didn't. When Trump could have locked her up, he didn't. So they're gonna lock him up now. There's no fear. And so if we're, if we're not going to be bound by a social compact, all right, if, it, meaning that we all agree this is the, this, these are the conditions we want to live in. If we're not going to be bound by that, and we're not, because we're not a marriage anymore, then we're going to have to be bound by terms of engagement. In other words, you don't do things to me because of what I will come back and do to you. Now, understand that is not a long term recipe for any civilization, but it's longer term than the term we're on right now, which is I can do whatever I want to you and the people you like and nothing is done to me. That can't happen. That that's got like 10 minutes left on the clock. I have no idea how much mutual assured destruction has on the clock. But I know it's longer than 10 minutes. And that's where we are right now. Look at America a little bit like the Cold War in in 1980 when Reagan came to office. Through the decade of, from Watergate to the end of the 70s, the Soviet Union began to think it it could win a nuclear war. That America was that diminished in its capacity that there was an acceptable casualty count for nuclear war. And so tensions built. Now we're boycotting Olympics and everything else. Suddenly a guy comes in and starts spending like mad to show, no, we, we are serious. We are going to match you missile for missile. We'll bury you economically. Because, not because we want a nuclear war, but because we don't. Because we need people in the Kremlin who are not crazy to stand up and say, this is not winnable. It's not sustainable. You have a deterrent. Mutually assured Destruction. It's a little bit like, why do, crazy, why do crazy people with guns never go to gun shows and start opening fire? Well, because they're at a place where there's even more crazy people with guns, and they will shoot them harder and first. There's a reason why they go to the places that say, no firearms. When, when they put up a sign that says, no bullying, the bully doesn't like, you know what, man? And it, was, and it was pizza and chocolate milk today, too. And, and I was going to take that, that, sh, that, that, that nerd's lunch money, because that's my favorite. It's pizza and chocolate milk, but the sign said no bullying, so I'm just going to let him go. No, no. And so when there's a zero-tolerance policy, the bully's bully, and the people that would have stood up for you don't do anything. That's what's going on right now in our... Is that a good analogy of what is happening yeah. in our political give and take? They get to do whatever they want to us. They are assassinating... I want to make sure Yahoo put out a report. It's hilarious. I mean, at the, at the same time, I'm, I, I've got, I'm, getting, I'm getting emails from people telling me I'm being attacked by other conservative hosts for giving up on fighting back. I've got Yahoo, one of the largest websites on planet Earth, writing stories about how my reaction to what's happening to Trump is one of the most unhinged in America. You can't. Welcome to my world, okay? <laughs> I'm never unhinged enough for some of you and I'm always unhinged too much for most of them. But what did I say that made them think I, this is one of the most unhinged? They did a whole feature of the most unhinged reactions and I was the cover boy. It's because of what I, went, what I said then when I'm about to say again to you. You are watching a proverbial assassination in public. They're putting him down in public, right to you, in your face. Because there's no deterrent. There's no fear. Maybe the Supreme Court will step in in a year or two and stop this. Maybe they won't. So what? No one, Julie Swetnick, still roaming the streets. Everybody that lied about Brett Kavanaugh, still roaming the streets. Everybody that made you choke your kid, still roaming the streets. Everybody that made you poison your kid, still roaming the streets. There's no deterrent. So they can do whatever they want to you. Nothing's ever done to them. If we don't fix that, if the fear doesn't get mutual here, that kind of rhymes. We do that again. If the fear doesn't get mutual here, all right? (laughs) If the fear doesn't get mutual here, guys, tanks are coming next. Everything's a PSYOP. Everything's a test. And the people we're electing are failing it. Next question.
0: Marsha Sue is up next. My 18-year-old granddaughter just got her college roommate assignments whose stated pronouns are they, them, he, him. That just isn't an option. Any suggestions on how to proceed or how you would proceed?
1: I would proceed as if it's not an option. I think one of the things that we can do is no more lines in the sand in apocalyptic language if we're not going to actually go through with it. If it's not an option, then behave as if it's not an option. When I told my kids when they were growing up it is not an option for you to disrespect your mom. When they did, oh, I made damn sure that they knew what not an option meant. And that's why they don't do it today. Don't, don't say definitive things and then not walk it through. That's the worst thing to do. The devil smells weakness. Now that, now, that doesn't mean there's not maybe some smarter or more clever ways to handle these situations than others, right? So, for example, just call the person by their name only. But if it's not an option, then we must behave as if it's not an option. I told my kids, two rules in the home, don't disrespect your mom, don't lie to me. Because that's The ultimate disrespect, you're treating me like a schmuck. The first time they did either one, I made it very clear, not an option. Which is why there weren't other times after that. So, if things aren't an option, we need to behave as if they're not an option. In the end, whoever's got the most conviction about their beliefs is going to win. They are willing to make us suffer greatly. We're not willing to suffer at all. So that's why they're winning. We have to tip those. So just like we talked about our politicians have to tip the scales up here, down here at our level, we got to tip the scales too. No, I'm not, I'm not suffering that. I'm, I, 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 I am in suffering that indignity. I'm not, I'm not patronizing this or validating it on any level whatsoever. What have our slogans been the last few years? The answer is us. Let's find out. Assume you're being lied to. that.
0: Could I also add one more thing? So this is your granddaughter, uh, Marsha, I believe that was your name. Just, I'm, I'm the most recent one to come out of college. When you're out on your own for this first time in college, you're setting all sorts of precedents for how you behave in the future. So that's one way, I think, to maybe warn or encourage your granddaughter. Amen. Daryl Lovins is next. The American Medical Association and the American Osteopathic Association represent physicians to the government. The Liaison Committee on Medical Education and the AOA's Commission on Osteopathic College Accreditation are the only government-approved accrediting bodies for medical schools, MD and DO. These agencies have fully endorsed diversity, equity, inclusion, and other similar policies. What's your take on how this will impact the future medical care in the united states
1: um it will not be stopped except by two means one you have to elect people into power who will stop it and make it stop two even if that occurs or and and even if it does not ultimately people are going to have to be willing to dissent all the way to the end i mean That's how the country was formed. King George III put out his ESG and DEI stipulations. And they were just called different things at the time. Stamp tax, sugar tax. But this was the freight you were going to pay to remain a a good standing member of the Commonwealth of England. And they just decided we're not paying it. And understand who made this decision. The elites did. That is, that is one of the most unique things about the American Revolution. It was the, it was the elites who said no. <laughs> it was the guys who owned land, businesses, Ivy League educated. They're the ones that stood up by and large and said, we're not taking part in this farce. Knowing full well it was going to be their sons that died out on those fields. And it was going to be their lands that, th- that were going to be raised and burned. And they risked it. They had a lot more to risk than we do today. A lot more. There was no middle class. They were the only comfort class, many of them were. They were the only ones. Everybody else was some form of a servant or worker bee. We're at the very, we're not, we're pre-industrial revolution here. And they put it all on the line so that we would have the opportunities that we have now today, hundreds of years later. And it is now our generation's time to put it on the line so that our kids and grandkids will have these kinds of opportunities later on as well we have time for one more i
5: do Aaron, can i ask this one i found one that came in late sure go ahead and i prefer we got two uh, minutes in your movie nefarious explains how they take over a person he was talking fast so i can't quote him but he implied that infant baptism protected the child for a few years this isn't biblical so i'm curious where this idea came from and why it was included well
1: this our script are white our, our script writers are very catholic and so that's why it was included. but there are also plenty of Protestant Reformation uh, 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 let me try that again. There are plenty of Protestant denominations that do infant baptism as well. And the denominations that don't, on the Protestant side, typically have what is called an age of accountability, and that's not biblical either. These are all forms of tradition that each vestige of the Christian church has hermeneutically determined is the best way to answer the question what happens how do we deal with the fact that even though uh, even at our most adorable state we're still guilty of original sin how do we do that And, and so in both cases whether you believe in infant baptism or you believe in ages of accountability you are acting on what you think is the character of God that God would not punish an infant or a toddler for their sinfulness and yet there is no exact method or methodology within the scripture of how God deals with that and so these traditions have been created in both of these uh, venues as a as a means by which to answer a very difficult ethical dilemma.
5: I can't tell when people say it isn't biblical
1: if they're saying it isn't clear or it's anti-biblical. What they, what they mean is it's not explicitly stated biblically, is what they mean in most cases. Yeah. All right. We'll come back. Speaking of getting biblical, Pastor Paul Blair about a new black-robed regimen and the need for it will join us next all right back here on the steve day show and let us tell you about our good friends over at express vpn it's a vpn done right easy to protect your connection with express vpn Easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. First of all, it is absolutely blazing fast. Lots of other VPNs can slow your device down, but not ExpressVPN. You can even you can even stream HD with no issues as well. Couldn't be easier to install. Just open the app, click one button, enjoy instant protection across all your devices. And once you do, you won't even realize you have it you have it on. No wonder it's been called the best. Customer VPN by CNET. Right now, go to ExpressVPN. That's V as in victory. ExpressVPN.com slash Steve. Get an extra three months on your annual subscription. So 15 months for the price of 12. 15 months for the price of 12. Three extra free months when you go to ExpressVPN.com slash Steve. Your data is yours, not big techs. Go to ExpressVPN.com slash Steve good friend of the show paul blair is here with us pastor former pro athlete trying to raise up a black robed regiment. it is good to see you again paul how you been brother
4: i'm doing well steve hey thanks so much for having us on we really appreciate your effort to help uh, promote our camps
1: you bet so first of all give our audience a lot of them are already going to know this but we can't reset it enough a little brief history lesson what is the or what was the black robed regiment, and why is it something that we need again
4: quite frankly the reason that america has been exceptional in fact we're the only country in 6,000 years of history that hasn't been ruled by tyrants but we have constituted our own limited general government and we're supposed to have public servants securing our unalienable god-given rights well that was not by accident that was by design it actually goes back to the influence of pastor john robinson over the pilgrims but you go back and you look at the war for independence it was the pastors Uh, Like Jonas Clark, he was the pastor of the church in Lexington. And not only did he preach liberty from sin and preach eternal life, but he also preached uh, how to be free while in this life. And it was uh, not by accident that uh, the British happened to engage the uh, American colonists first at Lexington, where you had some 77 patriots, most of them members of of Jonas Clark's church, along with Colonel John Parker, and they fired the first shots of liberty in defense of our country. But the Black Robe Regiment were pastors that stepped into their pulpits on Sunday mornings and recognized what was coming, the tyranny that was coming. And they preached against it, they not only preached for freedom but they were willing to go and fight for freedom and we had men that served in the continental congress that were actual ordained clerical i mean pastors we had uh, men that served in under george washington peter Muhlenberg wound up being one of 16 major generals that served under washington all the way to yorktown well he was a, a former uh, presbyterian minister Uh, You had, uh, as I mentioned, Jonas Clark, James Caldwell, uh, uh, John Witherspoon, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. If it wasn't for the pastors that were stirring the hearts of the colonists towards liberty and teaching the three million American colonists the proper role of civil government and the proper limitations of civil government, We never would have had a Declaration of Independence to begin with. So, quite frankly, King George originally called it a Presbyterian rebellion Mm. uh, long before it was called the War for America's Independence.
1: And you want to recreate that spirit in our era, Paul, why?
4: Well, quite frankly, uh, see, we're the only Christians in 2,000 years of Christian history that haven't been persecuted for our faith and that founding era and the framing area of pastors understood that in every totalitarian society before you can enslave a person's uh physical uh, character before you can enslave them bodily you first have to enslave them mentally so in every case every totalitarian will try to take over education so he can control the education of the next generation They must control the media because we can't be eyewitnesses to everything. We're going to respond either with anger or with passivity based upon what is reported to us and how it's reported. And then only in free countries can we have religious liberty. And in every totalitarian society, you either have an atheistic communism or you have a a theocracy like they have in Iran and Saudi Arabia. But the ability to say my government is wrong only comes from those that have religious liberty. The ability to determine what right and wrong is by a source outside of the government and then hold your own government accountable to that measure. So we are quickly rolling down this same path. We've seen our educational systems hijacked over the last 50 years. We over, over the top, over COVID, these, since, since Trump came down the, the golden escalator We've seen the media not even trying to hide it anymore. And now with this LGBT, um, transgender nonsense, and by the way, nobody can change genders. If you are born a man, you're gonna die a man. If you're born a woman, you're gonna die a woman. Doesn't matter how much you mutilate your body. Uh, but uh, all, we're now seeing the attacks on speech and the attacks on what we can or cannot believe. So, we are literally following the very same situation. Other than red coats, it's the World Economic Forum and those that uh, that are under their thumb of control by bribery or blackmail or, or whatever it is.
1: Or in the case of COVID, uh, the lap coats. All right, Paul, I'm yeah, going to right. get back to you in a second because I want to now turn forward to how you're trying to equip pastors and, and events that you have coming up. First, though, if you are paying attention to what's going on in the country right now, this is the most expensive environment for a car loan that we have ever had this is the this or i'm sorry that we've had since 2007. it's the most expensive new home a market we've had in American history everything is getting let's go Brandon at the moment make sure you are prepared with our friends over at My Patriot Supply All right, they are right now offering you their biggest discount on their three month emergency food kit now it's 25% off their biggest discount ever that includes free shipping fast and free shipping breakfast, lunch, dinner even drinks and snacks the full complement of the 2,000 plus calories that you need every day to make sure you are ready for when the next time ah that could never happen here happens here make sure you're ready right now go to preparewithdace.com it's got up to a 25 year shelf life with proper storage preparewithdace.com is where you want to go again 25 percent off biggest discount ever before this offer expires preparewithdace.com so there i hear from pastors in our audience paul blair all the time asking what can i do i hear you challenging us on the show steve what do you want us to do so paul that's why you're here what do we want them to do
4: well, pastors have been taught in seminary not to think biblically about certain areas of life. Quite frankly, Steve, we have, we have uh, formulated a modern-day Gnosticism in how we practice our faith. Mm-hmm. We have our secular lives, things that we cannot talk about in church, and then we have our spiritual life, the thing that is acceptable to talk about in church. Well, the reality is according to the hebraic worldview god created the material and the spiritual world we're supposed to glorify god in all that we do and if god did in fact create this realm called civil government and just about every pastor i've ever met acknowledges that because that's what we're taught in our education and our formal training but then we don't teach people what god expects from civil government and what the overreach of civil government is so most pastors are completely unarmed when it comes to trying to make disciples of their people, when it comes to this most important realm of civil government, and you just mentioned economics. You know, quite frankly, you know, we don't teach biblical economics in church. You know, the Bible warns about being enslaved to death. The Bible talks about being a hard worker, not to be slothful, saving up for your children and your children's children and being a blessing unto them. Yet we in America don't teach biblical economics. We learn economics like every other lost person, and the average Americans up to their eyeballs and debt living in a house they can't afford, drinking a car they can't afford. To impress people they don't even like. So, you know, as pastors, we're supposed to be called to make disciples, not church members, not converts. We're supposed to make Christ followers. Well, when do we follow Christ? Just to church on Sunday morning? No, we're supposed to be followers of Christ in everything that we do. So, our work ethic, our honesty, our integrity, how we handle money, our sexual proclivities, and quite frankly, how we vote. You, know, you can't say you're following christ and be a part of a party or be a party to uh, a party that promotes unfettered murder of preborn children promotes all sorts of s- sexual deviancy and perversion and promotes theft and covetousness and murder, which is what Marxism is. You can't, you may actually be a Christian, but you just haven't been discipled, disciple because you aren't following Christ in your politics if you are a part of a party that promotes those things which God so clearly is opposed to. So we start there. We invite pastors. We heavily subsidize a three-day second honeymoon for pastors and their wives. Normally, the cost on these getaways is around $1,500, but it only costs a pastor $99. We have some wonderful Christian businessmen, primarily Art Alley and, and Timothy Plan, a great Christian mutual fund that, that helps underwrite these. And we get pastors away a nice three-day break. They have a chance to fellowship with other pastors and encourage one another. And then we teach them about the biblical principles of civil government. What does the Bible say about the purpose and limitations of civil government? Chapter and verse. We teach them about economics. Uh, we teach them about 501c3, about the, the so-called separation of church and state. Uh, we have Matt Staver come in. We have Bob McEwen come in. We have experts in their field. And we pour into these guys 20 hours of continuing education in areas that they've never been trained. Then we ask them to join with us. Nothing's required. They can choose whether they want to continue to fight side by side with us and become part of the modern day black robe regiment, which we call our Liberty Pastors Network. And then we've got other things. We've got first steps which we ask for them to do and implement in their churches. And quite frankly, Steve, one of the first things we ask every pastor to do, we all have been entrusted with a certain amount of real estate. We're all stewards over property. And most churches sit empty about five days out of the week while we send our kids off to be groomed in modern day public education. Mm-hmm. The one thing we encourage all our Liberty Pastors to do is open up their facilities and partner with homeschool co-ops, or start your own private Christian school, Mm -hmm. but at least throw a lifeline out there for your congregation. And it's amazing how most of our churches have exploded in their numbers as they are addressing current cultural issues from the word of God and then doing something about it.
1: Amen. Amen. So how can people sign up? What do you want them to do, Paul?
4: go to LibertyPastors.com or LibertyPastors.org. We own both of those domain names. We've got three upcoming conferences here in 2023. Later this month, we're partnering with Liberty University. We're going to be doing a camp from the 28th to the 31st of August at, in Lynchburg. Uh, they can sign up online there. Then the following month from the 25th to the 25th, 28th, we're going to be just outside of Detroit in a lovely suburb called Plymouth, beautiful resort there, the St. John's Resort. And then we. Do just inked a deal. In fact, I don't have all the details, but we're going to be in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, November the 5th through the 8th, I believe. So we're, we're hitting Pennsylvania and Michigan, which are two key states. In fact, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania here in 2023. And we hope, God willing, we'll be able to afford and fund and do about six camps in 2024 in very critical states, awakening these pastors and, uh, well, hopefully raising up the modern-day Black Grove Regiment
1: liberty pastors.com and liberty correct that's where they need to go that's it god bless you brother keep going appreciate thank you, you. thank you man
4: appreciate all you do god bless
1: same to you brought to you by our friends over at moink you know 60 percent of u.s pork production comes from a singular company that has chinese ownership who, who in the world thought it was a good idea to have most of our meat most of our antibiotics most of our ppe most of our everything made by the one nation on earth that could threaten us militarily the smartest people the experts of course bypass all of that with our friends over at moink they deliver grass fed and grass finished beef and lamb pastured pork and chicken sustainable wild caught alaskan salmon all of it straight to your door from farmers and fishermen who did this the way grandparents and previous generations did before we all had a million food allergies because the family farm and the local fisherman does it better. And you can taste the difference. It's called the Moink difference. Help keep America farming as well. Sign up at moinkbox.com Steve right now. And you'll get free ground beef for a year. Sign up right now at moinkbox.com Steve. Free ground beef for a year. When you do, that's a year of some of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. At moinkbox.com Steve. Again, Moinkbox, M M-O-I-N-K, O M-O-I-N-K, Moinkbox.com slash Steve. Free ground beef for a year when you sign up for a limited time at Moinkbox.com slash Steve. All right, reactions to the conversation we just had or anything else on the show here today, gentlemen?
5: I think what you just said about who on earth thought that was a good idea dovetails perfectly with what we just learned from paul blair don't you think if we were here listening in pulpits for most of our lives messages from guys like paul blair we would have confronted issues like that and all other man of issues Mm -hmm. way beforehand Mm -hmm. because we would have understand what it means to be a citizen in a republic uh, defined and started with a notion of rights under god and we would, got to, we would get to the point, oh, well, this is preposterous, way before you ask a question like that. I think that's obvious. And it's tragic that you have to ask it at all.
0: Yes. The dynamic of A, men, and B, pastors, or you could say B, pastors, or A, pastors, and B, men. This dynamic is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't believe we have enough good pastors strong pastors in the pulpit because we don't have enough strong men and we don't have enough strong men because there are not enough good strong pastors in the mm-hmm. pulpit
5: mm-hmm. that's
0: the whole ball game, folks the whole ball game. but the good news is the good news is that can change and when it changes it could change fast it just takes a critical mass not even a critical mass a determined minority of men and pastors to decide, no, this way of living that we're, that we're foisting upon our families and our churches, this way of living that I'm, I'm, I'm allowing my family to go through, no. No, we're going to do something different. That's all it takes. But that is the ball game.
1: How will they hear the word if there is no one to teach right. it to them, right? This doesn't just happen organically. It doesn't happen via osmosis. There, there there must be teaching and the the point that Paul raised it's just a there's two things he said that just well there are a lot of things but two things he said that are anathema to the modern American church pointing out the things that God is against the modern American church well let's just only talk about the things that we're for I don't know man when I read the Bible I hear there's a lot more about what God is against than what he is for what's what he, what, he, what he's for is pretty simple that's that's you know Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, love yourself. The Ten Commandments. Why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say? I mean, that's kind of it, the whole thing right there, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's for. The rest of those pages are about all the things that he's against and what he does uh, in order to, uh, to to thwart the things that he's against and are against him, you know? So that seems kind of an important detail that we often leave out. And then the the model based on discipleship, not just endless evangelism evangelism is, is a step of discipleship it's a, it's a key first step in discipleship but you don't we don't just keep re-evangelizing people over and over and over mm-hmm. again. i mean the goal is to grow them but if you listen to this show you've heard all this a million times you'll probably have to hear it a million more yes john 3:17 this is steve dace on the blaze radio
0: network